0: typically one of our acquisitions guys is going to get 10 to 12% of the commission on something that we decide to wholesale or wholesale off. Mm -hmm. And realistically, if they do a deal a month, they should have more than, paid for themselves and covered kind of their base salary. It's that time of year again, tax
1: season. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return. And there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the Ultimate Rental Property Tax Guide. And I've read it. This is the Ultimate Rental Property Tax Guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies tax strategies capital improvements versus repairs i mean this is the ultimate rental property tax guide and you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes you have to sign up for account but the account is free so when you sign up for a free stessa account you will get this guide this is worth its weight in gold for sure go to stessa.com dot com forward slash best taxes and when you work with stessa stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track manage and communicate the performance of our real estate investment so it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes, get that ultimate rental property tax guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Ryan Dossi, how you doing, Ryan? Doing good, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Well, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Ryan. He is a buy and hold investor with assets in Indianapolis, Louisville, and St. Louis. He's also the founder of Call Porter and Ballpoint Marketing. He closed on 73 units last year using the Burr Method, and he's based in Indianapolis, Indiana. With that being said, Ryan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been doing real estate for about four years now started out like most folks with wholesaling, did a yellow letter campaign, got lucky on our first one. From there, we kind of transitioned into some of the remodeling stuff. I did a couple and realized I really didn't like it. And then in 2017, towards the end of the year, we transitioned more over towards buy and hold. Currently, we're actually now focusing on two units and up. Reason being, eventually we want to push our team the multifamily direction. So or basically, not letting them do single families after this quarter, then duplexes, triplexes, and eventually just five on up. It's been working really well for us because most of the single families we were keeping are your like hedge fund esque everybody wants kind of deals. So we've started to sell those off and just start to focus more of our marketing efforts towards kind of the small multi families.
1: You started wholesaling, then remodeling, and then in 2017, focus was on buy and hold. Yep. So in my mind, wholesaling and remodeling, that is a way to earn income, whereas buy and hold, you earn passive income, but you need income to buy those properties. So in my mind, those are almost like two separate things. One, you're making money. And then second is buy and hold is you're making money, but you have to put money up front. So did you reach a tipping point with cash reserves where it's like, okay, now we can just focus on buying holds or are you earning income other ways to acquire more buying holds?
0: Good question. So wholesale was really just not really a process. I super enjoyed the typical wholesale anyway, of throw it under contract and hope to find a buyer. Right. So we actually ended up partnering up with a group that's called stewardship properties and they've got a pretty large pool of private money raised. So we're using private funding, paying cash and then we're using some wholesaling and some flipping to cover things like operating costs as we go. Last year alone, we had like $97,000 in holding costs just on our bird deals during kind of construction prior to lease up.
1: Okay. I think you explained that very clearly, but I think I still would like clarification just for my own purposes. So sure. you're partnering with a group that is bringing private money to your buy and holds. And then is the business plan for you to improve those properties and refinance
0: them out? Correct. Yeah. So okay. all of these properties are like A and B class. We're into them. Our typical formula, we go 75% minus repairs, minus an additional five grand to help cover any surprises, holding costs, any of that kind of stuff. We're targeting a minimum of a 1.2% rent to cost ratio. So your typical bird deals.
1: Okay. So your macro level business plan is you find the property, that has equity in it, and that you can repair so that you can cash out the private funding person or group and hold on to that property in the long run and make money off of the rent.
0: Correct. Yeah. So ultimately we use the analogy that we're flipping capital, not flipping properties. Mm -hmm. So most of our private money is about 8% interest only. We do a two-year renewable term. Most of our banks have a six to 12 month seasoning. We're working with one right now that actually has no seasoning requirements at all. So we're basically getting the properties turned leased and then passing them over to our bank. Okay. Is a local community bank credit union, not a credit union, but kind of a local, they're in a couple markets, but they're kind of a smaller community. What bank is it? The bank is called Busey.
1: Busey. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. They're in Indiana, central Illinois and St. Louis.
1: And you're based in Indianapolis, but you have properties Correct. in a couple other cities. So how did you get into those other cities?
0: So I'm originally from St. Louis. I lived there for about 10 years before I came out to Indy. I've only been out in Indy for a little over three years now. So, what
1: brought you to Indianapolis?
0: My wife, actually. She's going to school. She's getting her doctorate in psychology. Okay. Yeah. So that's actually where I originally started with real estate. My, I think first year we bought two rentals that I ended up selling my interest into a partner there when I moved out here. So we basically just have ground partners that are equity owners in our portfolios in both of those markets. So I support them from here with marketing systems, our admin does some of their stuff for them. And then I'm out there probably about once a quarter.
1: What's been a challenge of yours as you've evolved your approach from wholesaling to remodeling to now flipping
0: capital, as you call it? Good question. I think most of our challenges have been people related, just making sure we have the right people in the right places and kind of dealing with some of those interpersonal, if you have an equity partner and holding them accountable to things and really kind of making sure everybody's working towards the same common goal.
1: It's interesting because you're doing the burr method at scale and mm-hmm. i traditionally think of it as a onesie bank. twosie yeah it's interesting to hear that so the one challenge that you've overcome is the seasoning period for mm-hmm. financing and you're using Busey bank for that or we're using to-
0: them in one market we've got other smaller banks in one in st louis and one in kentucky and actually our bank in kentucky It's like no seasoning, they'll go up to 80%. And they're even potentially interested in funding stuff in Indianapolis for us. So it's kind of a little bit of a white whale there. So one challenge was
1: seasoning. You've resolved that. Another, I imagine, is finding the opportunities to do this with. So how are you finding the opportunities?
0: So really, inventory sourcing is not an issue for us. So we have the number one ranking we buy houses site here in Indianapolis just organically through Google. We do 10 to 15,000 pieces of mail a month just here in Indianapolis. Call Porter fields all those calls. We have an acquisitions manager. They'll actually book appointments. He goes and runs the calls, makes the offers. So really the sourcing inventory really hasn't been that big of a struggle for us, honestly.
1: The we buy houses is that something you had to pay to participate in no 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 no.
0: when I say we buy houses I'm just talking the keyword like if you google we buy houses which is what most sellers are looking for we come up before the franchises (laughs) nice how'd you do that thanks to whoever won that lawsuit (laughs) I think that was Brad Chandler (laughs) I didn't
1: know that someone sued like hey you can't own We buy houses and they won
0: yeah they did it was a pretty big pretty expensive court case had to do with trademark Mm -hmm. infringement stuff and and Brad ended up winning oh okay And how did you get to be number one? So I wish I had like a do this, do that for you. There was a guy that I used to work with back in my day job who reached out to me when I started in real estate investing. He was like, Hey, I'm doing this SEO thing. I'd like to try it for an investor. And he quoted me like two grand a month. And at the time I was like, that's insane. There's no way. But then I started to think about it. I mean, if I get one deal a year, it's more than paid for itself. So we started paying him. We got to like month three, still nothing. Month four, we started to see some movement. And then by month six, we were actually first for most of our keywords. I think I'm first for like 18 or 19 different cities, kind of in my farm area in the nine counties I'm in now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. So you, you hire someone who is focused
1: on that. and you Someone know, way
0: smarter than me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> You know what the lifetime value of a customer is for you. And then as long as that math works for what you'd make on a deal, then you can invest in it and see how it goes.
0: Yeah. And we actually brought him in as a partner in a different venture. So he only works on my stuff now. We had a couple friends try him out and he got some friends of mine to first or second in Miami in like three months. So it was like, Hey, this guy knows what he's doing. Let's lock him down. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I get that. You've talked about
1: how you got inventory. We've talked about the loan aspect with the seasoning and getting the right financing what else would a best ever listener need to know in order to scale from, as you said, a onesie, twosie burr approach to buying 70 plus burrs a year?
0: So it's definitely cash intensive, right? You can start to do the math. We're dropping 10 to 15,000 pieces of mail a month. We've got two full-time acquisitions guys. We've got a full-time leasing kind of slash admin person. And that's just here in Indianapolis. So... It's one of those, you're going to need to have some source of capital. So whether that's private funding, whether that's money you've saved up, or if it's buying and selling kind of wholesale properties, that's actually how I found my Kentucky partner. Hit me up through Instagram and I'm sure you get this stuff all the time. You know, Hey, teach me how to invest. And I was like, you know what, shoot, I've got some time today. Ended up on like the phone with him for about an hour, gave him some really advanced tips and then got off the call, thought he's probably not going to do anything with that. But I gave back a little. And he reached out to me 45 days later and was like, hey, man, I really appreciate it. Wholesale two houses made like $34,000. And I was like, okay, you have my attention.
1: That's awesome. So you've got the inventory, seasoning, and just the amount of money that's needed to get going and keep that business going. Anything else that you think you should mention to
0: scale a Burr approach? you either really have to know your numbers or have somebody who knows them. The actual bookkeeping side of stuff really surprised me as we started going, realizing, Hey, what are we all into some of these properties for? It's not as simple as purchase plus repairs. What did your marketing cost you? What kind of commission did you have to pay your acquisitions manager and making sure you've still got a deal that you can effectively burr out of for us. We try to focus on the stuff that everybody wants So most of our rentals actually are built newer than 2000, three beds, two and a half baths or larger, attached two car garage, vinyl or brick, in kind of those newer neighborhoods. They're a lot less work than some of the lower end stuff. We bought a duplex that we probably never should have bought. It was an absolute steal, fell into our lap. And I think it took us four months to find a tenant that we approved of for our screening criteria. So I think it's one of those just... Be cognizant of kind of where you're operating in. Don't necessarily go for the B and C class areas. I think it's good to have a mix, but I've actually got a house that I literally sell tomorrow, bought as a bird deal, and we ended up into it for about 165000 The house was worth $210,000, $220,000. Problem is we finished right after schools went back. So most people that reached out weren't interested in moving till basically the next year we had people that were like, Hey, can you hold it for me? Long story short, holding costs on it started to just rack up. We had a pipe freeze over winter, nothing major. It was an exterior deal, but we ended up at the point where, okay, we're into this thing for 180 grand now. And it's just been sitting. So we decided this is a nice enough house. Let's sell it Threw it on the MLS. And we're actually going to walk with somewhere around 20, 25,000 after it's all said and done. So I would also say just like have multiple exit strategies. Mm-hmm. Don't have it be something that it has to appraise. I saw a thread on Bigger Pockets today with a guy talking about doing a slow burr where he bought a deal for 90% of what it's worth and he's hoping appreciation unburies him in three years. And I was like, that's terrifying. <laughs> you know, the big thing with just about everything I own is I'm fairly confident that we could sell it on the MLS for more than we're into it by quite a good margin tomorrow if we needed to.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's what I was wondering about, because when you are doing the burr method, you're basically getting your money that you put into it back out of it. And there might be a spread there too, but on average, I don't imagine there's a huge spread after you get all your money back out. And really the goal here, it sounds like, is to build that rental income for the long run. And so the thought I had was, well, I love that approach for the long run. But if you have a team, then that rental income is going to take a long time to Mm -hmm. build up so that you can pay the team. So you've got to also be doing some other deals on the side to get chunks of cash to pay the team. Am I thinking about that accurately?
0: Yeah, it's kind of cheesy, but we use the expression, keep the best, wholesale the rest. Part of the reason we decided to start offloading new single family leads that come in. I'm not selling any of my current inventory, but new stuff that comes in. Is there's such a high demand for this quality of product that we're sourcing that we had a deal that we set up like kind of a group showing on and a guy reached out and was like, I'll give your asking price cash as is sight unseen if you cancel the showing. And it was like, all right, done. I'll do that all day long. So we're doing some of that. The other way to potentially kind of do it, right? It's like my maintenance guy. We kind of hacked his salary, we realized we didn't have really enough demand for a maintenance guy, yet we needed one. I think we picked him up when we were at 35 or 40 units. Well, we talked to our GC and we figured out, look, we can actually have him do some of our tear out and that's going to lower our renovation costs by more than enough to cover his salary. And then the rest of the time he's free to run calls. We do all of our management in-house So we do that and then with our acquisitions guys, we go 75% minus repairs, minus an extra 5K and that's their MAO and they'll shoot below that sometimes. So it's a lot of the times like my big thing is our team has to be paying for themselves, myself included. And so if I'm going to pull out of our cash flow to pay myself, I have to be pulling in more than that amount of cash is just kind of the way I look at it. Do
1: you have a multiple that you look at? We don't. I've always thought about that with team members. You've got to be paying for yourself, but if you just pay for yourself, then there's no business. Well, well, yeah, I mean, it's... Like two times it, multiple, or you got to bring in three
0: times, and, and maybe it's not telling them that, but just... Having back, that you know, metric. Yeah, no, it's a great idea. It's probably something we should spend some time figuring out on our end. But when I say paying for themselves, I mean, I'm talking substantially so. Typically, one of our acquisitions guys is going to get 10 to 12% of the commission on something that we decide to wholesale or wholesale off. Mm -hmm. And realistically, if they do a deal a month, they should have more than paid for themselves and covered kind of their base salary.
1: Sure. What's your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: My best ever have people that you can bounce deals off of that aren't there. They haven't looked at it. They haven't met with the homeowner. They're not wanting the deal to give you serious, honest feedback. That deal I mentioned that we're selling off. One of the gals on our team was like, Hey, I don't know about this one. And I ended up, no, I think this is a good one. We've got multiple exit strategies. Let's try it. Ultimately she ended up being right. Had we closed on that house and just resold it right away, we would have made an extra Mm $20,000. So surround yourself with people that aren't afraid to give you their feedback, whether you want it or not. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do a lightning round. You ready
1: for the best ever lightning round? Yep. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties, and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account. The account's free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S T E S S A dot forward slash best taxes. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantas discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.dwellynn.com forward slash show. That's dwellynn.com forward slash show.
0: Best ever book you've recently read? Best book that I recently read. It's probably been mentioned on here a ton, but I'm going to go with Extreme Ownership. Who wrote that? Jocko Willink and. Oh right, right, Navy Seal. Yep. I listened to it on audio and was about one of the most interesting books that I think I've ever listened to. Okay. Best ever deal you've done? Best deal I have ever done. All right, so this is kind of cool. Not a numbers thing at all, totally just like a personal thing. So I got into real estate because I'm a car guy. Got to the point where I could afford something nice and then didn't want it on my credit, didn't want to throw out that amount of cash. So I actually got a house under contract and a buddy of mine owns a somewhat high-end car rental company. And they decided they wanted to get into real estate investing. So I wholesaled them a house, made eight grand, and in return got an Alfa Romeo 4C for a year at no cost to me. So I got paid on it and got a car out of it for the year. <laughs> What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? School districts. <laughs> I did a flip in a super high end neighborhood, bought a house for 110K. I was like, this is going to be a home run. Our remodel ended up being 200,000, which was the largest single family remodel I'd done at that point. And comps had us at 450 all day long. So we listed at 450, nothing happened. We ended up dropping by 10K, dropping by 10K, ended up finally selling at 390. And the issue we ran into, the comps we'd pulled, even though they were a 10th of a mile away were on the other side of the school district line.
1: What's the best ever way you like to give back?
0: Best way I like to give back... To the world in general or the investment community in particular? However you want to take that question. For me, I like to help people kind of get from where they are to where they can be. So I run a small free Facebook group and we do a lot of stuff in there with showing people really complex stuff and breaking down things like how to get press releases and stuff done. We recently did a giveaway in there and one of our guys, we gave away like 2000 pieces of mail, ended up wholesaling two houses, made $50,000 and launched his investment career. So that was pretty cool.
1: How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on?
0: They can reach out to me through Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. I think you guys have all of those links.
1: Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Ryan, and talking about how to scale a Burr method. There are multiple takeaways. That was really interesting to me, how you've managed to buy over 70 properties last year using the Burr method. And the challenges that we'd have to overcome in order to do that, finding the inventory, the loan and the seasoning period, having the money that's required in order to do this, as well as knowing your numbers and scaling the team while having multiple exit strategies. So thanks again for being on the show, talking about your background, what you all are doing. Hope you have the best every day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwelling Show with Ola Dantas discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellen.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn forward slash show.